Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Nine Points Podcast. I'm your host, BH, and today is a kind of special podcast. Uh, This is actually the ninth episode uh, that I'm posting or that I'm uploading, including the sample one. So with this being the ninth one, I decided to do something just a little bit different. Um, I want this one to be called three squared because three times three is nine. And what we're going to have is three different segments. And each of those segments is going to briefly touch three concepts. So this first segment that I'm about to do first is going to talk about three different perspectives that we can have about God um, that could be wrong if we don't utilize and listen to the fruit of the spirit. The second segment will be Z time with generation Z. And there we're going to actually break that one down over three episodes. But the first one tonight, we're going to introduce uh, the whole notion of where the Bible talks about the world only being of uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Uh, We're going to read the scripture there. And I'm going to stop on um, just the part where it talks about the lust of the flesh. I want to talk to these teenagers about it, ask them what they think about that in their own words, and talk about just how prevalent it is and how, I mean, just kind of want to see where their, where their minds and where their hearts are and try to give some advice here and there. And then finally, the third and final segment, we got, my wife and I, are going to discuss three th- three common ways that that uh, footholds are broken, spiritual footholds or spiritual strongholds. I mean, um, I just didn't really understand or even hear the whole concept of a, uh, strongholds until maybe about 10, 15 years ago. Um, but sometimes we can have certain habits that are so bad that it allows our enemy to kind of have a stronghold and have a a foothold and influence many different things in our life, things that we don't even think about. um, But because of the foundation uh, that the enemy sets in us so deeply, uh, we can end up distorting information that comes to us. And then, of course, um, misinform what we're supposed to do and then think that we're doing the right thing. Um, And sometimes, and like I said, we'll talk about three different ways that that can be that that those can be broken. And you might be a little bit surprised because I might not be talking about breaking them in the ways that you're thinking. So um, without going any further, this first segment, like I said, is talking about three different perceptions of God that people have that uh, we as human beings might have. And we might make bad choices with things that we hold in our hearts to be true without really thinking about certain things. Some things we might hold in our hearts to be true that influence our uh, interactions with other people. First and foremost, with the people that we love the most, those in our inner circle, but then also to strangers, people that we might meet by chance people that we start off meeting with by chance and then maybe because they're friends of friends, we end up spending more time with them. And sometimes the misperceptions we have in our heart ends up coming out. And while some people might say, oh, well, they're they're really are a pretty good person once you get to know them. 
all this stranger sees is our biases and um, and our pride and and our insecurities. So um, the three three different ways that that people look at God is um, um, some believe some believe that there are many gods. Um, po- um, what was I forgot the names of these. Um, I want to say polygamous, but I know that's not it. Uh, but some still believe in many gods. Some believe in no God and, and some believe in one God. I'll start with the one that I'm a part of, the one that I know the most. And that's those of us that believe in one God. Um, lots of us can agree that there is one God and Right behind that, a lot of us say that since there's one God and if we're trying to seek him, that's what matters. And God will judge us, but I won't allow other people to judge us because God knows the truth. And however I view God or whatever name I give to God, it's what I do pursuing him that matters. Well, what all of those words are noble and there's truth to all of that. And as, as somebody that believes in one God, um, I can tell you that God is righteous. Okay. And one thing I don't know about other religions, but one thing I do know about Christianity, it says in the Bible that it is impossible to please God without faith. So one thing, one thing that I would have to, uh, put out there one thing that I've that I've started to think about it myself, and that I'd caution others out there that believe very wholeheartedly about the like what I just said the first couple of minutes is you can I can there have been times where if it's something true in my heart and I'm going to act on it, what if I'm really really what if I'm dead wrong? What if I really 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 think I'm right? And the Bible says, the Bible actually says, this is how you should think of this. The Bible says, this is how you should handle this. No, no, no. Well, I can tell you the Bible means it by this, but since in my circumstances, da, da, da. Or another way that could be, you know, that could be um, misconstrued or if it, if I don't receive the gifts and opportunities in the way that I am prepared for. In other way, in other words, what I'm trying to say is sometimes somebody loves you and they show their love the best way they can. But if they don't show the love the way that I want them to be in a way that I think that it should come easy to them because I love them in this way, then I might end up bitter. I might end up, um, pushing true love away because that love isn't given to me on my terms. So if I'm only going to love on my terms, if I'm only going to sacrifice on my terms, where is my faith? Um, Another thing that I wrote down is when you're portrayed, whose native, whose nature comes out of you? I've been betrayed. I have betrayed others and I'm not just seeing one person. I've betrayed people. I have stabbed more than one back. Um, I'm not going to, oh, there's a part of me that wants to try to talk context, but I'm not going to talk context. Fact is I have stabbed more than one back in my life. It's not something that I want to do again, but 
uh, having made mistakes and being honest with myself, there have been some things that I've done and I can look back and say, there's nobody to blame but me. There are choices that I had to make. I had to make some tough choices, but those tough choices that I made were my choices. Nobody else forced me to do that. So if I know how hard I work every day to treat people fairly, and I know that it's in my heart and it's in my past to betray somebody, somebody might do that to me too. Um, it's it Well, it's more likely than not someone that doesn't try hard or maybe somebody that tries even harder than me to please God. They might betray me. So whose nature comes out when I'm betrayed? Um, God does not reason with us until we demonstrate faith in him in real and tangible ways. Some examples that come to mind are tithing, fasting, uh, volunteering, doing things that you would say, I normally wouldn't do this, but I just have a feeling I need to do this or this is what this is the right thing to do. Um, so, again, you can you can have a belief in one God. But if you're not careful, you start you and I might start to think that God only sees things the way that we see things and that the way that I expect the world to uh, to respond to my needs and my desires is the only real way. And I can take something even as sacred as the Bible and twist that around something that is very um, that's, that's very of this world and not of the spirit of God. So those are some some little nuggets out there for those of us who believe in one God. We can be messed up, too. We can we can we can mess this. We can mess up a whole lot of people's faith and mess up a whole lot of people's journeys thinking that we're doing right thinking that we're there to, to help somebody else, but it should be the other way around sometimes. Another one is many gods. Now, I want you to think about this many gods. Uh, many, M-A-N-Y, and many, as in M-I-N-I. Um, a lot of, you know, you know about the Greeks and the Romans, and um, even some places to this day uh, believe in and worship diff different idols and different deities. Um, now, I can tell you, I can't speak for another another religion, but I know that the Bible talks over and over about God says to have no other gods before me. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about idolatry and how that is a really bad thing. That's something that is. Well, you read the Bible for yourself. Talk to people that that uh, that you respect. But idolatry is something that God warns against, something that displeases him greatly. Um, so, you know, go on your own. Look up the definition of God little with the little g. Uh, look up the definition of idolatry. And maybe after you look at those, one thing I started to think about is maybe idolatry can be the act of putting other gods, many gods, M-I-N-I, little gods, and also many as in more than one God before God. So, what I'm trying to say is, let's say I'm I'm a Christian or I have a strong I'll have a, I'm of a for a certain religious conviction. And I believe there is one God, but I can create gods in my mind and in my in my habits and my loyalty to those causes, uh, to those relationships can quickly 
become more important to me by my actions than the relationship that I have with the one God that created me that I'm supposed to be doing all these good things for. Um, So I'll give you some common examples. My attitude towards Democrats or Republicans or immigrants or my attitude towards guns or homosexuality or abortion or affirmative action or equal treatment of animals or how I feel about atheists, or how I feel about people that have a different religion. All of these things are part of my personality that comes out. And sometimes when I get up and go out into the world, that you know, um, my family, you, we used to call it sticking out. Um, a way to kind of describe that is kind of like somebody have a chip on your shoulder. I wish somebody would say something about um, this thing that I care a whole lot about, I'll set them straight. And and truth be told, how many times have you gone out, have you gone out into the world with a chip on your shoulder, wanting somebody to tell you something about guns so that you can set them straight? Or want, having somebody, you've heard all that you can stand with somebody talking about reverse discrimination and affirmative action, and you want to set them straight. We, or, or uh, you know, or PETA, you know, wanting to make sure that animals are treated are, are, are treated humanely uh, without abuse. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think a lot of people, you know, will tell you that some of the measures that they go through, that they go to to get their things across are not always. Of course, they're not always legal. Some of them are not even morally right. But I'm not. That's just one example. Um, anything in a good thing taken out of context can be bad. Uh, Just think about dieting. Somebody can start off wanting to diet, uh, being very health conscious. And the next thing you know, I'm not saying that it's just that simple, but somebody that becomes overly health health conscious could be anorexic or bulimic, you know? So again, the, the many gods that we can create Uh, These idols of ourselves and of how things should be in our own mind, those things can interfere with the righteous God of the universe and the relationship we have with him. Third, the third way that I want to that I want to talk about that some people uh, have about God is those people that talk about no God. Those people that say that there is no God, those people that are agnostic and say, well, maybe there is. But even if there is, I'm not going to think that much about it. I don't, you know, I, I don't have very I don't have any friends right now that are agnostic. So please forgive me if I'm getting it wrong. But I know there are some people that think there is no God. And then there are some people that think there might be a God, but I'm not going to think too much about it. So, um, you know, one problem with that, uh, one thing that I would say to those of you who might be listening to this to fall into that category is you're really you, you, we have some of the same weaknesses. We have some of the same um, vulnerabilities, whether you believe in God or not, whether you believe that, whether you believe that God is going to treat people the way that certain people are convinced that he will someday or not. Um, you have some of the same, you have some of the same problems we run up against. If you're not using the fruit of the spirit, again, Uh, Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. 
But if you are agnostic because you feel like the whole idea of religion is not good or it is it was a good thing gone bad, you gotta understand. There's something something I learned when I was uh when I was in school, getting my degrees in medical in medical uh, mental health. There's something called the self-serving bias. There's something called the fundamental attribution error. And it doesn't matter how you feel about God. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized. It, those things don't matter to the science of mental health. Mental health has identified something called the fundamental attribution error, and it transcends religion. Um, I'll just kind of give you like an operational definition, but look it up yourself. It, I mean, there's never been a time where somebody said that, well, these kind of people are more prone to it. Um, that was one of the things that, that I really enjoyed about my time and my training in the mental health field is certain concepts kind of helped me to understand defense mechanisms and um, some of the things that we can kind of get that, you know, that can kind of get us caught up if we're not careful. But kind of like basically fundamental fundamental attribution error is the tendency to emphasize internal uh, characteristics to explain somebody else's bad behavior. But very similar associated with the fundamental attribution error is also the self-serving bias. Um, but in other words, if somebody makes a bad choice or if it's a group, if somebody who's representative of a group that I don't like makes a bad choice, it's easy for me to make a stereotype, hide behind a stereotype or make uh, make conclusions and judgments about that person is this kind of way. This is the way that she is. This is the way that he is. This is the real person. All of that stuff that you heard before, that was not true. This is the real, this is who they really are. But at the same time, and, 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 and while you're doing, and while you and I do that, we don't take into account or we don't fully respect the external factors that contributed to that person made, making a bad choice. But the other side of it is, you and I make bad choices. Some of us make bad choices with a rather frequent basis. But when we make bad choices, even even those of us who join fraternities and sororities that uh, have this have this disdain for the whole concept of excuses, um, we have a tendency to will accept responsibility, but we also recognize and will point out there are some external factors as well. See, I can be accountable and I'll be responsible, but if I know that I've made a mistake and I'm and I'm honest about trying to clean it up so I don't make the mistake again, then I want to understand how I got there. And if I'm trying to understand how I got there, I'm 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 recognizing and appreciating those factors that I didn't have control over. But we don't give other people that same uh, benefit of the doubt. So, you know, if you want to say that the myth of objectivity can become your God if you don't believe in God or if you don't if you are so anti-religion, um, your the myth of you being able to be objective can become your God. Um, so you have this in common with the rest of us. You want to judge others by the law, but you want to be judged by grace. So I hope that this wasn't too confusing, but these are three ways that we look at God, um, three ways that we um, try to see ourselves in the in the image of God. But if we don't 
apply his fruit in our relationships and in our attitudes, then we really come fall very short of what he created us to be. So the next section will be Z time. All right. Welcome back to the nine points podcast. This is BH and I'm joined now with two members, Generation Z. We're here about to do Z time. I'm joined by newbie. Hi guys. And King. Hello. All right. So what we're going to do here, I'm going to ask each of these wonderful youth to and to read this um, scripture. And then I'm going to ask some questions and we'll have a little discussion about it. Uh, so which one are you going to go first, the oldest or the baby? Who wants to go first? I guess I can go. King, King raised his hand while you was leaning in. All right, so what is the scripture? This comes from John 2. 1 John. 1 John. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Verses 15 to 17. 15 to 17. Do not love the Lord or anything in the world. Do, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world in its despise pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now you read it. The same thing? Yes. The same thing. Okay. Chap- verses John the first, chapters 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, that the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives on forever and ever. Okay, so I'm going to break this down real quick. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Do y'all think it's, do you think that means it specifically what it says, or do you think that is a warning to something in general? I think it's like some sort of warning. What do you think? What do you think, King? It's telling us to not love the world as the way it is. Right, right. It's, it's not saying... To go out and just be grumpy and say, I hate everything and there's nothing to be thankful about. But it's saying don't embrace the habits of the world. Don't embrace the habits and the attitudes of of this world. That um, anything goes and um, only use your, only follow the rules when it suits you. That's the way the world is. So the first part is saying not to do that. Then it says, if anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. What do you think that means? I think that means that they have no, do not want to like believe in the Lord or like be thankful for him whatsoever. So that's what I think. What do you think, King? I partially agree with newbie. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. I think I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a statement, and then you tell me, you ask a question or add to it. When it says, "If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them," 
that is that is saying that that is saying that people that love to say anything goes people that like to say i'm going to be a good person sometimes i'm going to think about other people sometimes i'm going to be patient with other people sometimes i'm going to forgive other people when they mess up sometimes the i i would say that this scripture is saying that that's the wrong kind of attitude to have and people that carry on with that kind of attitude are not representing themselves like somebody that wants to be righteous so what i mean ask a question and tell me if you agree or or tell me something in your own words i agree with bitch <coughs> what do you think <coughs> i I'm currently not in the right state of mood, but I do agree with everybody. Okay. <coughs> now, so so far, uh-oh, <coughs> must be some dust somewhere. I'm coughing. It's not about all that. Um, what do you think so far? Thus far, it's been two sentences, and I've done most of the talking, and I asked you if you agree or disagree or to elaborate. And I'm just kind of getting like little quick answers. What do you think this is? <coughs> What's the big? Do it again. What's the big message? What do you think is the big message that's coming across here? I think that the big message is that you have to be thankful for God. Um, thankful for like what God's creations have. Because if He didn't make this stuff, none of us would be here right now. The whole world wouldn't exist at all. So we should be thankful for Him. <laughs> what about the ways and attitudes of the world, though? King, what do you think the scripture's saying about those? That I I think the scripture is saying something along the lines like do do not take your anger and hatred out on the world when you're not happy. Okay. <clears throat> now here's the part. This is the part that we're, I really want your feedback and we need to discuss. We're going to talk about this three weeks in a row. We're going to talk about the first part here, and then we're going to talk about the second one next week, and then the third one the following week. And before um, somebody jumps in and corrects me, we might have more than one podcast this week, so I mean the second podcast, the third podcast, whenever they might happen. So the next part is, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. What do you think that, what does that sound like to you? Um, King, you go first this time. <clears throat> For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. What it's, you- it's, telling, it's telling us that man is, it's telling us that man is, is the one responsible for doing all the bad things, the drugs, the 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 crimes, lust, sin, greed. A lot of those things are not from God. It's from God's creation. All right, newbie <clears throat> says for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. I think he means by that that um, people at first people were like lustful for like new things, 
like always asking for stuff and um that god wanted them to like give them consequences for like that and that he decided to make sins and bad things happen because we need to be disciplined somehow not exactly sure though yeah i don't think he wants us to sin or anything like that but i do think that he wanted to see he wanted to see a change in us for our bad habits but it only got worse okay here's the part that we're going to discuss today the lust of the flesh what do you think the lust of the flesh means animal abuse Lust of the flesh. My des my definition is is I think man I think man wants a lot of things and where they want a lot of things, they want all the power that they can get. Like there's governments here. Some governments are powerful than others. But that doesn't stop them in trying to gain more power. That's lust. That's an example of lust. Okay. I'll get your attention here. Uh, I think I'm glad we're having this discussion because these are some concepts. This really happens in the world. Lust of the flesh has to do with, I'm sure you've heard the word horny, right? Yes. You heard horny before? I hear it all the time when I'm at I Okay, so people that are horny are lusting for flesh. Lusting for flesh means I want to feel some a certain way. I want to taste something so bad that nothing I will compromise other things in order to get my to get my needs met in order to get this drive met. So the lust of the flesh is somebody somebody horny saying that I want some of that. I'm going to get some of that. I don't care if that's my girlfriend. I don't care if that's my boyfriend. I don't care if I'm married or not. I want some. I'm going to get some. And and lust of the flesh is talking about wanting another person, wanting to have their way with another person's body. It could also be like an unhealthy craving for for food, like gluttony. Now y'all get the picture? Yes. Yes. So the world is full of the lust of the flesh. That's why we talk to you guys about what you wear, how you wear it, the kinds of things that you say. Because if we joke about stuff at home, that's one thing. But if you wear certain things, if you um, if you carry yourself in certain ways, if you sit certain ways, if you're a lady when you have certain clothes on, it sets off a domino of things in the emotional and spiritual realm. And for guys too, um, I'm not, (laughs) it's certain things that dudes do nowadays that just don't, I don't get it, man. Um, I, I don't get it, but we need to be mindful that the things that we say and the things that we do, we're working for one team or another. Either you're working for team God or you're working for team enemy. So the lust of the flesh is, Horny, horny and and greedy for for my stomach. I'm glutton. I got a glutton. I want this really bad. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it all up until I'm done. Until I'm done with it, I'm just going to keep on eating. 
or the same thing with sex. I'm going to keep on until I get all until I get all done. And when I'm done, when I'm done, I don't I don't care what the, about the other person. That is the lust of the flesh. So now that you know what that is, how do you think the lust of the flesh can be impacted by the stuff that you listen to and the stuff that you watch on, on the Internet? Because you get an influence on them the more times you look at it. So at first, like example, you look at a provocative music video. You're like, ew, this is extremely nasty. Why am I looking at this? But then it gets more and more can you recommend it and you're like, I want to see some of that. So once you see it more and more often, you get more influenced by it. So it ends up getting you slipped up or starting to act like the person you're looking at. So then a few weeks later, you become a nasty person. Well, at least say nasty stuff. I think it's, I agree with Newbie, but what I think one of the worst things about lust of the, th- lust of the flesh is how it impacts kids. You see, kids are younger than kids my age they're our future the ones that will change life and and kids are more susceptible to things like lust of the flesh and and since they're since they don't know any better they'll they'll take they'll take any of that stuff and then use it the wrong way similar to a way newbie said it you know, you did make a good point there, King. Younger people are very susceptible to certain things. They know they might be aware on one level, on one level of how something is, but they might not be thinking about it very deeply. So you also got to realize that even if you're not a horny toad and, and consume with sex and all that sort of stuff, if you hang around people that talk about it all the time, and trying to, you know, do do the stuff to stimulate yourself and 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 stimulate somebody else so that you can get to the next level. Um, if you're around people and you just kind of laugh and condone it, then you are still contributing to it. Because if you don't walk away or if you don't tell the people that you care about, that's not cool. I know why you're doing it, but that's not cool. You're not supposed to do that. This ain't the place. This ain't the time or the place for that. If we're not willing to do that, instead, if we laugh about it and then tell other people about it and then share it and, uh, and like it, if we see it and we, and we uh, click like and stuff, then we're really not we're not doing the exact same thing, but we're condoning it. And when we condone it, then it's going to make the other people more likely to keep doing it. And if we keep on liking it, like newbie said, we'll end up doing it ourselves. More comments or questions. However, I know like horniness and lustfulness is already bad, but if it's to the point where you're ruining people's mental state, like rape and all that stuff, that's when you really need to rethink your decisions. The word horny, it stuck to my head. Don't worry, I am not going to become one of those people. Okay. (laughs) All right. And if people are taking advantage of you, Tell an adult, and if you can't do that, go to the police station. I will never let anybody take advantage of me, and I should tell when they are. Preach! Well, I want to thank Newbie and King for once again keeping it real, telling the truth from the 
perspective of Generation Z. And the next time you hear us, we will be moving on to The Lust of the Eyes, where we will talk about that from a teenage perspective and an adult perspective and hopefully be able to share something with you guys. And this ends segment two. All right, welcome to the third segment of this particular podcast, the Three Squared Podcast. Right now, I'm joined by my co-host and my beautiful wife. Say something to the people, Velvet. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Sounding all meek and mouth. She's vicious. She's vicious, I tell you. But anyway, um, this last section, um, is we're also going to have, this one's also broken down into threes. And this is built off of a conversation that we were having a few days ago where we were talking about strongholds and different experiences that we've had. And by no means are these three things that we're going to say that we're going to discuss right now, the only ways that strongholds are broken. But these are just three of them that came up during our conversation. And um, one of the one of the ways that strongholds and well, can you want to talk about strongholds? Because you listen to podcasts a lot. And there's a couple of people that you like listening to that talk about strongholds a lot. So tell the people, in your opinion, from your perspective, what a stronghold is. There is no absolute. There's just the operational definition. Yes, I'm only going to give you uh, my perspective, because like you said, there are different ways that um, can be this can be interpreted and, and all of us are different. So this is just my own personal perspective. I feel like a stronghold um, is something that has a hold of your life, has a hold of your spirit. Um, That's something that you're not able to stop doing or let go of on your own um, that you need God's help with. Um, And I mean, that's not like a long definition for me, but, but that's just the basic of how I feel of what a stronghold is. And it can be anything. So that's what we're going to be working with. Uh, that She articulated it better than I could. So one way that strongholds are released or one, one way that people proceed with or through strongholds is, well, honestly, they just keep going on and on and on. You know, that person can be bitter and just stay bitter and stay um, committed to whatever it is that they believe through thick and through thin, and they might change in life, but they change in life because the circumstances around them are such that they have no choice but to change. They don't rely on insight and learning from their own mistakes or anything along those lines. They pretty much stay the same until there is their, their, uh, their regular normal is taken out of their hands. And once that happens, then that's the way that a stronghold is kind of gone through. It's never broken, but that person's no longer getting pulled in the same directions because their life has changed beyond that, beyond the circumstances. What do you think about that one about people being bitter? Um, I definitely think um, that there could be bitterness involved in it, um, especially if it's something that you're struggling with something that's very painful and um you know you're trying to do what you can on your own will and then you're failing because you're not you're not allowing god to help you 
Um, also, you can become bitter because of the circumstances, because of something that's happening to you that um, that you don't like, that's uncomfortable. That can cause you to be bitter as well. But I would like to also throw in there as denial. Um, you know, I've had some strongholds in my life and denial for sure was involved of, you know, there were times where I thought I was doing the best that I could and I was doing the right thing. I would have talked to anybody to say that I was doing the right thing uh, when in fact to find out that I was not doing the right thing and that I was in the way of God doing his work. Um, so I think that's a piece of it as well as just the denial factor. And that can go on. It just depends on the person and the circumstances, but that can go on for a while. So you can go from not knowing that you have a stronghold to finding out that you have one and then being in denial about it. It's very true. I, f I don't know how I forgot about denial, but that is true. Person, those, those, what happens sometimes with that individual, they kind of start making agreements, even, even in defeat or even when something they believe is proven to be untrue. They're like, well, yeah, that might be true, but at least I'm not as bad as somebody else. Or I know this might not be true, might not be the right way to live, but I'm going to keep doing it unless the world changes around me. So I still don't need to change. I'm doing this just to survive, just to keep my head above water. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with that. So anything you want to add on that, that particular way of dealing with strongholds and they, they change, but we don't, did you want to add anything or when you say they change, what do you mean? The, um, our circumstances change, but we don't change. The stronghold will still would still be painting our life if we were continuing to move after the same types of goals and the same type of people. But if those people and those goals and those opportunities are gone, then we never broke through the stronghold. It's just not that much a part of our lives anymore because it's not something we wake up dealing with. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think that there can still be like a, layover. I think anytime you don't deal with something, I think that um, it's still around and it can still be toxic. So if you have a stronghold and you haven't dealt with it, but then for whatever circumstances, it's no longer there physically. And if you haven't dealt with it, then I still believe that that toxin is still around because if you have something that you're struggling with, Okay, let's say that particular circumstance goes away. It's going to be another circumstance. Right. It'd be different people maybe, but it's still going to be another circumstance and continuing until that stronghold is broken or removed I by God. It. I get that. I, I, I agree with that. I, I can understand that. So uh, a second way that strongholds are, are dealt with or are broken is the one that we hope for a lot of the times, to be quite honest, and that's for us to be rescued. Let's say, let's say, for example, you do something that you know that you shouldn't do. And for whatever reason, you know, you do it anyway, and you go on and you wake up the next day and you find out that somebody that you were with or somebody that you love that you used to do those certain things with, let's say, unfortunately, something really bad happens to that person 
or something really bad happens to somebody else that you care about. Or maybe there are even some occasions where you learn vicariously. Somebody that you used to be close to that's not in your life anymore, they um, either by you learn from a bad choice they made or you reconnect with them later on in, in your lives and they say, look, what was okay, what I thought was okay was killing me. I was actually setting a bad example for you and you need to knock it off. And I'm in a in a bad way. You need to knock it off right away or else you're in trouble. And to be rescued is kind of like you realize that you had something wrong. There was an error in your reasoning and you're able to correct what you were doing without having a significant personal loss for you. I did kind of a little bit. I kind of contradicted myself saying about. Maybe somebody, some maybe somebody you went to school with, um, somebody is not necessarily your family, but you learn the, the lights turn on in your brain, and you're like, man, it was right in my face all along. I've really been messing up, and you don't lose the the most important things in your life. You're able to be appreciative and and thankful that you're able to move forward without losing those very important relationships or those very important opportunities. And you start to recognize that everybody isn't so fortunate. So that's what I meant by rescued. Yeah. I mean, that's, I agree with most of that. I mean, I guess I would consider being rescued like, um, grace, you know, like you, you was able to not have to experience something personally by grace. But I also think that, it's important that sometimes we can be near somebody or see somebody go through something and disassociate ourselves from it. So I still keep going back to if we're not able to learn something from it, you know, it still doesn't mean anything. But I do think that's possible. I do think that we can be rescued or we can learn something from somebody else watching what they've gone through. I I do think that's possible. But I think that it's something that we have to do on the inside in order to, I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say on that, I guess. Well, I, I think we might be saying the same thing, but slightly differently, but I know one of you guys favorite shows you like watching scared straight, um, scared straight where people just like get really, really scared. Or if you have ever been in a situation mm-hmm. like, Oh, wow. That was close. That was close. I knew that I shouldn't have been doing that anyway, but that was so close. I'm not, boy, I'm so thankful I came through that alive. I will never do that again. And then you actually literally say, I'm never going to do it again. And you actually never do it again. That's what I meant by being rescued without losing was very, very important. It's like, I know I could have been gone. And a lot of people in my circumstance would have been gone, but I, but somehow I got through. Right now, I'm thinking about one of our favorite movies, Pulp Fiction. Oh God! <laughs> when he was like, "We should be dead, my friend." <laughs> you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, but yeah, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, that's true. That that's true, and it's very possible. I mean, and that does happen. So yeah, I get that now when you re-explained it. Okay. 
And then finally, a third way that strongholds are broken in our lives, um, not something that we encourage, but the only way it can be encouraging is to share with you that we've both experienced this and we're able to give testimonies. Sometimes strongholds are broken after we've been broken. Something comes into our life that is so overwhelming that we're not the same afterwards. And whatever it is that visits us, along with the physical pain, along with the psychological pain, comes an awareness that, you know, I'm part of me being in this situation is because of my own choices. I really have nobody else to blame. I had all kinds of help around me that I pushed away, either directly or indirectly. And now here here I sit, broken. And to be quite honest, I feel so bad about what I've done. I'm so it's so clear that I've been I've been the head orchestrator of this chaos in my life. And I was so thoroughly wrong. I so thoroughly thought I was right. But now I'm sitting here and the reality of my poor decisions is being revealed to me like minute by minute, hour by hour. And I've and I really I've lost the will to continue to live the way that I've been living. I realize that the air that I'm breathing, I don't deserve. I realize that anybody that's kind to me, I don't deserve that kindness at all. I realize that anything that somebody's able to do and be happy around me in spite of myself, I count that a blessing because I know that in my heart, my heart has been played out in these bad choices that got me right here. And now I'm broken. I don't deserve to keep going forward. I'm not going anywhere because I don't have a desire to do anything. And when we are broken in those moments and we can confess our brokenness and we can confess what we've done to put ourselves in that situation, sometimes God not only reveals to us how broken we are, he helps us to understand what unconditional love is. And he helps us to to get to build, to be healed and to be transformed and to move into the kind of life that he called for us. So I'll let, I'll let Velvet jump in and talk a little bit as I introduced it. Um, I would say when I think about broken by circumstance, of course I have multiple um, in my lifetime, but I'm not going to go into deep specifics just because I want to protect the privacy of other people. Because although I don't mind sharing, um, everybody else is not in the same space. So I'm not going to be too detailed about it, but I have had um, a stronghold that's probably been in the last short period. Uh, I say just the last five, six years that, um, that I was involved in. And I really believe that I was doing the right thing. So it wasn't something where I was trying to do something wrong or hurt anyone. I was trying to help. Um, but I'm strong-willed and I had it in my mind that I was supposed to be doing something and it became extremely difficult for me to do this thing that I thought I was supposed to do. But I, I just thought it was, well, 
it's, you know, I just need to dig in and fight harder, fight harder. And then it was revealed to me after basically being pushed out of that situation, um, which caused me great pain that once I was pushed out, I still didn't get it. I thought I needed to jump back in the ring and fight some more. Um, but it took me to have the kind of pain where you just, it's just a dark space for me to realize that I was in the way of, uh, I was just in the way God wasn't able to do what he needed to do because I was there trying to do what I thought was best. And unfortunately it took that, um, for me to see that I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing to begin with, even though I meant well, but at that time I was not in tuned with what God wanted me to do. Um, so once that happened, I was bitter for a while. I was angry because I was hurt. And sometimes you can kind of have the hurt that there's no turning back, that you don't get a second chance, that what's done is done. And that was the kind of situation that I was dealing with. So it was very dark for me for, for a long time. And I could feel myself uh, slipping. And then just over time, over prayer, uh, never giving up, others praying for me, um, I would you know, look in the Bible under certain scriptures that meant certain things. And I would read them over and over. I would talk to God and just say, God, please help me. This is happening again. I'm having these thoughts again. I'm feeling this way again. And just over time, um, you know, God was able to heal me and me to actually be able to talk about it without having, you know, feeling so emotional that you can't understand the words. So, um, I feel like the, when you're broken like that, I wouldn't say that's the best case scenario. Correct. No. But sometimes it happens, and and I also would have to acknowledge that in that particular situation, I was not going to move. I had to be broken in that situation. I didn't want to admit it, but it's the truth. If I was not broken, I would still be off in another space right now. I'm dealing with the repercussions of the decisions that I made at that time. One thing I want to make sure that, that I emphasize that you brought up, you can have the best intentions. You can be partially right, but sometimes God wants us to do something his way. And we, and we might hear like the possibility of maybe doing it a different way, but it's just not in me. I'm strong-willed and I feel like this is the best way that I can do what God is asking me to do. And God might be asking me to be helpful. God might be asking me to, uh, God might be asking me to help just a little differently than, than what's in my comfort zone. And, um, and sometimes just it's, it's got to be God's way. And sometimes we're broken so that we can understand that God can be pleased with me when I, when I activate the faith that he's put in me and I replace my will with his will. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, so I guess that kind of sums up the discussion that we had a couple of days ago mm -hmm. as far as the different strongholds. But I will say that during that time, I was not in tune with what God wanted me to do. I was acting all on my own. I was saying that I was relying on God, but truth be told, I wasn't relying on him in the right way. And that's something that can happen to you. 
if you're not relying on him. You know, I was just I was just check marking the boxes during that time. I wasn't really um, consulting with him and, and going to him in the way that I know that I needed to be now. I, I have to say this, though, before we get off of here, I was with you. I've been with you for quite a while. I wouldn't say that you were going through the motions. I would say that you were doing the best that you know how to do. You were digging in and doing the best that you know how to do. And when you and sometimes we have to dig in and sacrifice and you never, ever backed away from a fight. So having to go through stuff and just sticking it out and sticking it out, that's the kind of warrior that you are. So I'm not going to, I, the only thing that I would say, I wouldn't say that you were hell bent on doing it your way. You know how to adapt. You know how to pick yourself up and adapt and keep coming like a Terminator. You know what that's like. You can be that way. And there are certain circumstances when God's ready to open a new door for us that it has to be his way. And he, and in other words, we have to be transformed. It's not that you were, it's not that you were uh, knocking away every other point of view. It was like you were incorporating new uh, information and trying to use what was the best of who you are to apply it to that situation. So that I wanted, I want to say that I don't want you to be too hard on yourself. I happen to be a witness. Well, when I said going through the checklist, I was talking about just being routine with God and my relationship with God. I wasn't talking about like the decisions that I was making during that process and what I was trying to do and what I thought best. I'm talking about, you know how sometimes you can get in a certain space to where you know you need to pray, you know you need to read the Bible. So you just go through it and check it off your list because you know that's what you were supposed to do instead of really just praying with my heart. That's what I meant Mm -hmm. about the checklist. That's what I was saying, just to clarify. Well, well, folks, that's all we've got for this podcast. This was a special one, the ninth podcast. So we had three extended segments. Uh, ended off with myself and Vivid. And as we sign off, I want to remind everybody, wealth is to be spent, but treasure is to be shared. And the treasure that we share is the love that God gave us through his gospel and through his son, Jesus, the Messiah. And that's all I've got. You got something to add, Velvet? Uh, Thank you for your time. All right. Take care.